Support comes from Bellingham's Whatcom Museum with its historic Hall of Birds on May 31st and June 1st hosting bird taxidermist and museum preservationist Alice Markham for a weekend of events and workshops. Details and tickets at whatcommuseum.org. You're listening to Soundside. I'm Libby Denkman. What qualifies as lewd in the city of Seattle? It's a question that was put to residents recently when a proposed playground at Denny Blaine Park threatened the park's nude beach, a popular gathering space for the queer community. And now, around six weeks later, here's that word again, lewd. It's back in the news. Over the weekend, city and state enforcement teams inspected four Seattle gay bars. Three of those bars, the Cuff Complex, Neighbors, and the Seattle Eagle, were found to be in violation of, quote, lewd conduct laws. And it's left my next guest wondering, in a city where nude beaches and jockstrap kickball are okay, why is it lewd to enter a bar with a nipple showing? Vivian McCall is a staff reporter with The Stranger, and she's been following this story. Vivian, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So walk me through exactly what happened this weekend. What bars were investigated? Who did the investigation and what did they find? Okay, so this is a little complicated, but basically over the weekend, the Joint Enforcement Team, which is a coalition of Seattle Police, Fire, the State Liquor and Cannabis Board, and a couple other city agencies entered the Cuff Complex in Capitol Hill, and then they started looking around. And then on Saturday... These uh, officials from the LCB entered the Seattle Eagle and they did the same thing. And basically what they found there was shocking. It was a nipple and a few people wearing jock straps. And actually in Washington, that counts as a state offense. Wow. I'm really count me just floored that you would see something like that in a bar on a Friday night. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the people shocking, have to be truly. protected from this, Vivian. Um, so what happens when the inspectors find this? I mean, what's the consequences for the bar? So the consequences for the bar can be a citation. In this case, no citation has been issued. One still could be issued. Um, I also want to note that, you know, while it sounds so silly to some people, There is also this very real history of law enforcement cracking down on queer bars, shaking down queer bars, and the owners here feel like they've been unfairly singled out for a law that they're questioning the validity of in the first place. Um, If you look at all the bars that were hit over the weekend, there were 15, four of them were gay bars. And when you kind of look at that ratio, that is what these people are questioning. It's it's a higher percentage of gay bars than exist in the city overall. Exactly. And also gay people only make up, you know, 10 percent of the population, probably a little bit more in Seattle. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but, um, you know, it's just a ratio that people are finding questionable. And there's been this open letter that's been signed by the owner of the Cuff, the owner of the Eagle and a couple other clubs um, calling for an investigation into why this happened in the first place. Um, and why it was so important to enforce a lewd conduct law over something that they see as really minor. Um, Another thing I want to add, too, is that if you are a queer bar and you are going around having to enforce these policies from the state, people might be really confused while you're doing that. And I know at the cuff, they've had issues where they were cited in 2022 for a customer who was wearing a jockstrap during Pride. And since they've had to go around and tell people to, you know, pull up their pants or to cover up a nipple or to put a shirt on, which has given the bar an unfair reputation of policing people's appearance and their bodies. 
um, even though there's signage up saying like, hey, we, you know, have a policy that we can't choose this, we don't want to do this, but this is what the state says that we have to do. Um, people don't always want to hear maybe at 1230 a.m. about a bureaucratic policy that they've never heard of. Is there anybody right now defending these policies? I mean, the lewd laws that are on the books, we're going to get to some of the conversations that are happening in the legislature now and um, at the Liquor Control Board level about potentially tweaking these laws. But is there anybody in public right now standing up and saying the community is safer because that patron or that bartender at the cuff can no longer show their nipple? Uh, I'm going to say no. Basically, nobody is standing up and saying that it's a great thing. Uh, LCB is saying, hey, this is the law. We are not targeting anybody, but this is something that is on the books. David Postman, who's chair of the LCB, he disagreed with the term braid, but he said he could understand how Jet's entrance to the cuff looked, considering this history that I was talking about earlier. And he also said that photographs that were taken at the bars, he considered that really unfortunate that that happened. Um, he and other members of the board have also talked about, hey, maybe this policy is a little bit out of line with the times at this point, and it's something that we need to look at. And I also talked uh, with Jamie Peterson this morning, the floor leader in the Senate, who's on the LGBTQ caucus, and um, he said that they're going to do something about this. Talk to me a little bit about why these spaces are so important. We talked some about the context of, you know, quite literal police raids in the history of uh, gay life and and, uh, queer spaces and how scary and um, destabilizing that can be to see something that reminds the gay community of that um, happening in Seattle on a Friday night in in 2024. Um, Why are people so concerned right now about making sure that we preserve these spaces and and, um, really being careful about the way law enforcement or state officials approach them? I would say that a gay bar is a place that people expect they can walk into and feel that they are accepted. They feel like they can meet someone, they can talk to someone, they can express themselves fully. And it has been that way for generations. Um, You know, Stonewall is probably the most famous example of this, but back in the day, queer establishments were not legal and they were getting busted by the police. In Seattle, they were shaken down by the police, you know, having, you know, bars pay them off to keep existing. There were laws on the books that prevented gay people from dancing with one another. Like that would be a violation. So these spaces are really hard won. They are places that people expect that they can be themselves. And also in Seattle right now, it is a hot issue, as you mentioned, because of what happened at Denny Blaine six weeks ago. So what's being talked about in conversations? You mentioned Jamie Peterson. I know that there have been city officials uh, speaking about this. Joy Hollingsworth, the representative on the city council that represents the area of several of these bars. I mean, what are potential changes that could come from this conversation? So there's no bill in Olympia that would address this specifically, but there is one that could set a precedent that may loosen restrictions that are in place that, you know, mix adult entertainment and booze. Um, There's this group called Strippers or Workers that drafted the Strippers Bill of Rights that would add security and cut fees for dancers. But part of that bill was that it would repeal this lewd conduct violation. That was removed in committee, but what Jamie Peterson and the LGBTQ caucus want to do is add that back 
So, you know, when I was talking to him this morning, he said, you know, we're going to get this fixed. We've had one-on-one conversations about this. We haven't met yet, but they're planning to meet on Friday to kind of hammer this out. And I understand that David Postman, the chair of the State Liquor and Cannabis Board, I mean, he's been open to this idea, right, of the law changing? Absolutely. Like he said at the meeting, and I reached out to strippers or workers to check him on this, he's not standing in the way of strippers or workers bill. Uh, He would welcome changes that the legislature approves and said, basically, we can't just choose not to enforce this law. You know, any agency can choose how they enforce laws. But he says that the legislature doesn't really like that and for good reason. So they want to figure out how they can do this. Mm. I wanted to clarify something you said earlier, Vivian. You talked yes. about pictures being taken. Tell me what happened with the with the photos. What specifically went on during these inspections or, or raids that um, people had concerns about photos? That's still something that I'm trying to figure out. Um, I know that photos were taken. Um, but it is unclear who they were taken of. Uh, That's something that I hope to find out in the next few days. Hmm. So this discussion about what does lewd conduct mean? What should be regulated in law, you know, in terms of the way that adults can express themselves in spaces like a queer bar? All of this has to kind of be worked its way through the legislature, through, you know, the city council, um, What are you going to be following as this story unfolds? I think it's a really interesting conversation about what um, the community expects in 2024 and laws that are on the books that may seem out of date to a lot of people. Right. I mean, we live in a city where nudity is legal. So it does seem a little bit funny. Um, As Joey Burgess, who owns Cuff, said to me, he's seen people playing uh, a benefit at Cal Anderson Park where they're playing kickball in jockstraps. But if they were to then walk into his bar, they'd be committing a state violation. I've attended the nude bicycle ride that is, you know, the unofficial highlight of the Solstice Parade in Fremont. I mean, this is a common thing in Seattle. Right. You know, we're not talking about people who are walking to a bar completely naked. Like we're talking about a nipple. We're talking about a jock strap. We're talking about things that I think on the street we don't consider lewd, but in this state enforcement context, we do consider lewd. And considering that Washington state is the only state that you can't go into a strip club and get a drink, you know, we have this reputation as Washington for being free and open and having none of these restrictions. But, you know, when you actually look at it, maybe we have some sort of draconian or Puritan restrictions that are on the books here. And, um, you know, I find it interesting that we are already having the conversation about changing that right away. Vivian McCall is a staff reporter with The Stranger, and she'll be following this story. Follow her reporting over uh, at The Stranger, and we hope to have you back soon, Vivian. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to SoundSide. And hey, this show is only possible because listeners support us. If you are able to give right now, check out the show notes for a link to donate. And don't forget, you can listen live on KUOW 94.9 FM Seattle at noon and 8 p.m. Monday through Thursday or anytime online at KUOW.org. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, 
grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network.